FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes nicked. It's a flashback episode on Savage Land Summer Vacation. And I am your host, Jason, just airing out my pits, Venable, and I'm joined once again by podcaster extraordinaire, the legend, John Muckamuck of this Ballywick, Wilson. Hey! <laughs> are, are you sure the Muckamuck is not from you airing out your pits? <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> It's been a while, Jason. It has. It's been too long. Been too long. But, you know, we're back to the Wolverine solo series after several side excursions. Uh, man, I, if I get out of the mid-90s in this podcast, it's going to be a miracle. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of 90s. <laughs> yeah. There are at least 90 of them. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've been on, so I had to kind of catch up on the series and damn, Green, this guy has been through a lot in the last year and a half. Yes. And especially, like, because if you blitz through that stuff, then, like, the Silver Fox and Mariko stuff really feels like it's, like, back-to-back. Yeah. And that's rough. <laughs> and really, it was, like, not even a year apart. So, even right. if you're at the time. So, he goes through losing Mariko, which, I'll confess... I, I, I respect Mariko's place in Wolverine's heart, but I've never been a big fan on how that storyline was cut, was was carried from the almost wedding. Because you have the almost wedding where she's under mind control and she says no. Right. But then she just continues to say no for unknown reasons. And then they're like, well, I have to clear the family name. But like, okay, but when did that become a thing? And like, I don't know. So when she finally dies, it's sad. But it's also kind of the end of something I wasn't really a big fan of anyway. Um, but then, yeah, they bring back Silver Fox and they start doing the mind trips even more. And they finally clarify exactly kind of how most <laughs> of that actually works. Just in time to play it all out again for Sabretooth to really kill her this time. Right. And yeah, yep. it was rough. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Sabretooth... So how'd, how'd you read the end of that story? Because I've been struggling with this because, and, and some some friends on Twitter gave me some good advice, but um, at the end of that cyborg, P-S-I, Borg story, I read that. I, I know it's not like a final thing, but I kind of read that as we were supposed to believe that he was dead. Oh, that Sabretooth was dead? Yeah, but... Since you just read it again, how did you how did you read that end of that story? I didn't read that Sabretooth had died. Okay. Because the series just kind of ends and then the Ronic completely different thing the next issue. The story kind of ends. Right. Um I mean maybe each of them is playing out uh, a worse nightmare. Right. And basically Sabretooth and she are playing out the the cabin. And Wolverine is playing out the fact that, you know, they're at the cabinet. He can't stop them. Um, but I honestly can't even remember how it would have been implied that he died. I, I thought, in, like, it, when they crushed the 
the splinter or whatever it was mm. in that when they killed Cyborg. I thought Sabretooth was still like inside his mental connection. Yeah, or whatever. But maybe they, maybe he just ran off. But anyway, I was I was very delightfully explained that you know one thing. What I guess going to be back up. So one thing that I've been having a hard time with is Sabretooth just kind of starts showing up again with no explanation. Like there's no like connection <laughs> to how right. he got anywhere. He's just suddenly in a bunch of different places. And um, uh, a, a couple of different people on Twitter told me whenever whenever Sabretooth continuity doesn't make sense, just assume one of them is a sinister clone. And <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of where I ended up. But um, I don't yeah. like that idea necessarily because the sinister clones wouldn't have the same mental, emotional <laughs> connection. So Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, his, is his next big thing his miniseries? Because I think uh, they actually well, follow up on something from this in his miniseries, if I remember right. They might, and I'm hoping they do some explaining there because it's actually, you know, writers who are invested versus... And he's been in, like, um, he was in, like, the Dark Home series, and then he was in... No, is that... Did I say that right? What's the book? Dark, Dark Hold. Yeah. Dark Hold. Okay. Yeah, he was in that series. And then he had a graphic novel with Punisher and Spider Man. Right. And then um yeah, I think next up will be his miniseries. Actually he has a, a Marvel Comics Presents story with Iron Fist reunion and then his miniseries. So yeah. It's kind of just random, like, hey, I'm here here and then I kinda count the the miniseries as kind of the next actual chapter and that's worth you know, keeping in continuity, <laughs> mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. So, so how, how did it feel to read all that stuff like really quick? Um, for, there's clarity for one thing, clarity of storyline, because, you know, you're, you're going from one chapter directly to the other. So all the, all the pickups from the previous chapter are, are, you know, clear in the mind. Um, and that's, I feel like comics have two very different reading experiences. There's reading issues as they come out or, you know, with some sort of space between them. And then there's reading collected issues where you're getting the entire story together. I feel like those can sometimes be very different reading experiences mm-hmm. for a story, yeah. uh, especially with, with Wolverine with so many question marks up in the air and so many little details that are left in one issue and followed up on another issue. So I really like, rereading chunks of a series even though that's very rarely what i do because <laughs> <laughs> so much of what i do is first time reading i'm just trying i'm trying to get through stuff and right um you know, like my superman read through of course there's less you know connectivity there even in the 80s but um but with this wolverine larry hama run going back and rereading it in chunks has been very good awesome awesome well, so now we're we're ready. We're about um, I don't know early into '93. Um, we're getting ready to kick off the 30-year X-Men celebration, and uh, yeah, you know when you're ready to book your next vacation, there's a place that has lots of greenery Ooh. and is very warm and tropical. Work on your tan. Um, there's mosquitoes the size of peacocks. <laughs> <laughs> wait, is this Australia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, oh wait, dinosaurs. 
Dinosaurs. So, so, of course, we're booking a trip to the Savage Land, and uh, Wolverine, Rogue, and Jubilee have a little mission they go on in Wolverine 69 through 71, so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and yeah. Man. I have a pop quiz for you. What's up? Do you know the connection between the Savage Land and the Transformers? Well, um... One would go on the nose and assume it has something to do with the Dinobots. It does have something to do with the Dinobots. <laughs> but no, I'm not. I'm not specifically aware of it. Is it okay, in the so comics or the t- the TV? In the comics. So in Marvel okay. Comics continuity, which Transformers. Okay. Loosely, they're loosely in continuity. Yeah, <laughs> there are there are two direct connections in early Transformers with Marvel continuity. Uh, three, I guess, uh, if you count the one I'm about to say. But also, for a lot of its run, you can just kind of assume, you, you, if you want to, the Transformers are happening in the northwest part of the U.S., far, far away from all the other superhero stuff, and they just never happen to intersect because geography. Right. You can say that, you know, once it's established that there is a connection, that the connection never goes away. It's just never really acknowledged. But one of the main connections is that um, Autobot ship crashes four million years ago. And Decepticon ship crashes four million years ago. And Shockwave in the comics does not stay on Cybertron. He is actually on the ship and he uh, was outside the ship and he actually... No, no, no. Sorry. He woke up and, and went parading around and tried to go figure out what was going on in this world. And so the computer on the Autobot ship woke up five of the Autobots scanned the world for anything resembling a life form finding nothing living it did the next best thing and it found some dinosaur life in the savage land and it transformed these five autobots into dinosaur robots so they go out to find shockwave they confront him in the savage land and they all get trapped in tar basically for four million years oh wow and the shockwave wakes up um, in the course of events of the very first few issues of the comic, um, and come and comes and kill all the Autobots, and the Autobots have to go and find the Dinobots. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it's I think what? it's a much better, much better origin for the Dinobots than let's build some Autobots that are dumb like dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Sure, Wheeljack, that sounds like a great idea. Because <laughs> they're not stupid in the comics; they're just brutish. Oh, that's good. That's good. I mean, that sounds very preferable <laughs> in the cartoon. And they're not they're actually not dumb in the uh rescue bots cartoon. They've always been really into that. So Oh, I did not get far enough in rescue bots for data bots to show up. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh um Gridlock is or Grimlock, I mean, is one of the uh one of the instructors. So it's, it's pretty fun. That's the T-Rex name, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah Grimlock. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, my son and I have been watching, have been reading through the comics for his first time and also watching through the cartoons with me. I'm sort of like showing him all the original G1 stuff. And after only watching the cartoons for a while, I got him to start reading the comics, and he now much prefers the comics over the cartoons. Nice. I kind of had to get him to agree to watch season three with me because after reading a lot of comics, he's like, do we have to watch more cartoons? And I'm like, I would really <laughs> like for us to do all this together. Will you please? That's so. funny. Well, I was, I was not aware that 
I guess I knew in the back of my head there was an issue where Spider-Man goes to the Transformers, yep. right? Yeah, okay. I don't think I ever really connected that it actually meant anything, but I I prefer a world where this end Marvel continuity, because I always wanted G.I. Joe to be in the regular continuity as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I always wanted Snake Eyes to do stuff with my, my favorite heroes. <laughs> and and but, for me, I was never a big G.I. Joe fan as a kid, but I've been getting into it more as an adult as a Transformers adjacent property. Sure. So I'm reading the comics and watching the G.I. Joe cartoon as I go through Transformers again because to me they're connected, even though I realize the connections are loose and only occasional. But to me it's like right. they're like Superman in the fourth world. They're they're connected. Well, the connections are loose and occasional but very beloved because I think they in modern times and gets hit on not all the time. But I know there was at least a couple of uh crossovers in the early 2000s uh, like Jay Lee did one that was like set in World War II oh wow that looked the art the story was okay but the art was freaking amazing because it was Jay Lee's like later style it's a little bit cleaner um, Mm -hmm. but still still very Jay Lee Um, (laughs) and his uh, uh, what's the uh, what's the cassette that turns into a panther what's his name Uh, Ravage Yes, like his ravage is freaking amazing. Um, and then there was another one more more current time by an artist who's pretty good, but turned out to kind of be a, a not-so-nice person, so I won't mention his name here. But mm, mm. but but it looks nice because his Transformers are really like shiny and modern and clean, so it's more of a modern take with bright colors, and it, it was cool too. But I think that one I'm familiar with, although I haven't read it. Okay, cool. But anyway, back to... Uh, None of that has anything with Wolverine. <laughs> but it's still fun. And some of the best part of this podcast is chasing rabbits. So there you go. Um, actually, I mean, I know, you know we've been dipping at, in and out of this series with you in general, but I particularly wanted to make sure we did this one because, you know, even though this is now on hiatus slash defunct, I know you covered some Dwayne Turner on all the pouches. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I, I think about all the pouches a lot. Um, I just, I literally don't have time to do it right. on a podcast right now. I realize that was the case, but I may crank out a few episodes over the summer just because I'll have time then and just because it'll be fun. So it, it's it's on hiatus. It is not defunct. Nice. Very nice. I gave someone a recommendation on that just the other day. I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, speaking of Dwayne Turner and Wolverine 69, um, he is the artist. Of course, Larry Hama is the scripter. Chris Ivey is the inker. Um, not super familiar with him, but he did do some Moon Knight stuff I just read from the night in the same time period. Um, Pat Rousseau is the letterer. Steve Bucciolato is the colorist. And then, of course, uh, Bob Harris and Tom DeFalco are the editors. And this is Induction in the Savage Land. And on the cover, also by Dwayne Turner, we have Wolverine jumping at the reader. With someone's savage hand falling in the water, Wolverine slicing through some spears. And then in the background, a shadowy figure with glowing eyes. What do you think of the cover? Uh, It's... A pretty catchy cover without really being very specific to the internals. I mean, yes, everything here is from the inside of the book, but the uh, the main grab of the cover is Wolverine going, Quasha! Right, um, yeah. it, you, 
you notice the shadowy figure in the background. Um, I thought the shadowy figure was going to be that, um, that like God guy. guy. Yeah. Yeah. The little bitty skinny guy. I thought he was going to show up and he doesn't. So he has a hat kind of like that. He does. (laughs) And they, they keep on hinting throughout this issue of somebody with a helmet and, you know and I know who it is, but I wonder right. if this cover was trying to get you to think of maybe it's that other guy. Who cares right. about that other guy? <laughs> yeah. Because I, 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 I have no idea if you're con- keeping a pretend veil of secrecy over future events. Uh, nah, we ain't going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, so, so the Magneto helmet is like alluded to to without ever saying the names throughout this story because it's teasing yeah. fatal attractions but um right but I, I think they're honestly trying to get you to think of the other guy by the cover yeah maybe so and you know it's funny and we'll just go and, go and mention that briefly um this is you know not the only story that makes a very obvious but haha secret uh <laughs> nod to Magneto's return because in on X-Men Unlimited in number one, you have the same thing where Charles is like some mysterious figure helped me in the Antarctic right outside the Savage Land. And then you see a guy in a cape like in the shadow. You know, right. okay, obviously Magneto, but they refuse to tell you because they're pretending like it's this big mystery leading up to his his official return and fatal attractions is kind of funny. It's, uh, it's the worst kept secret in all the X books right. for months. <laughs> right. And yeah, I re- I haven't actually gotten very much past fatal attractions. That's pretty much where I've gotten to in my nineties before I stalled out. So we're catching up to where I am. Nice. Um, but I was, I, I did enjoy how like all throughout the X land, the shade of Magneto was growing in the background in different right. ways in the different books. Even yeah. Fatal Attraction starts. The Fatal Attractions is not your classic crossover structure. It's loosely connected stories in the separate books that are actually told over a span of time. Um, and how he plays a role in the various parts of that story is something that grows through the course he he's a very minor part in the early chapters, and a much more major part in the later chapters. Nice. There's actually several chapters of that I've never read before. So I've read the obviously the Wolverine stuff and mm-hmm. what happens there, and then the core X books. But I mean, my when I was growing up, I at that point was not reading like Excalibur or Cable or all the other kind of ancillary tie-ins, even like X-Factor. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how it all ties in across the whole event. That would be a a nice, fun journey for me, I'm hoping. Are you enjoying your more complete X journey that you're doing? Yes, I am, for sure. Um, you know, I will say, you know, it's funny because I think one of the more beloved parts I'm, I'm struggling a little more with, and that's uh, the, the, the beginnings of Peter David's X Factor is not, I'm really liking the story and the drama and the characterization. The humor is falling pretty flat for me. <laughs> but um, Peter David is one of those names that I don't know if it's like a certain other TV show writer that's come 
fallen out of favor lately, but like was really, really big and popular in his day and did some forward thinking stuff in his day mm-hmm. that now feels backward and awkward a lot of times. <laughs> right. This doesn't necessarily age well. And then yeah, I don't dislike him, but he his steps forward are not as forward now as you'd like them to be. Right. I think the thing for me, and I've said this before, so listeners, I apologize if it sounds like a, a broken record. I I can almost feel the effort <laughs> in some of the stuff he does. Like it is not it doesn't always seem very natural. Like it's, it just seems like he's trying really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um but you know Again, <laughs> not another. We'll we'll chase the Peter David rabbit later because I'm sure he'll he'll show back up on the podcast as in his own right. Um, yeah, but um, I really like the cover. His neck's a little weird, but it's almost like his head's not quite on his body. But other than that, I really like it. All right. So in this one, uh, following recent events in the X Men books. Wolverine, Jubilee, and Rogue go on a mission to the Savage Land to look for evidence of someone, <coughs> Magneto's return. Uh, Rogue flies around with a magnetic detector, which leads her to a metal machine, but unfortunately also leads to her being captured. Logan searches by ground, where he infiltrates a mutate temple. Jubilee is kidnapped from the mini geodome from her homework and taken to... Uh, a different prison. Um, and then Wolverine finds the big bad, which in this case is not Magneto, but Saron. Yeah, the guy, the character who has the same name as the Lord of the Rings bad guy, because in his original issue, he was reading the Lord of the Rings and named himself <laughs> after the Lord of the Rings bad guy. Yep. So, you know, it's very, very deliberate, <laughs> explicit in the text. I'm gonna name it'd be like it'd be like it'd be like if you're if you're reading a comic and this like rogue scientist is reading Superman comics. He's like, I'm a rogue scientist. I think I'm gonna call myself Lex Luthor. <laughs> right. Yep, that's me. I'm Lex Luthor now. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Um that's funny. fun little fun little issue though. We, yeah, uh, it was fun. It's not super thick, but I really like the art. Um I don't know if you know, just I don't know what kind of music fan you are, but uh, being one of my favorite records as a teenager, I really enjoyed that Jubilee was listening to U2's Rattle and Hum throughout this issue, um, mm-hmm. and even works through the track order, right? Like she sings um, oh. lyrics from Helter Skelter, then all along the Watchtower. Um, in fact, there's one part where she even incorporates the lyrics into the plot, where she's like... Um, there must be some kind of way out of here, which, of course, is a line from all along the Watchtower. Um, but she's actually trying to get out of the place she's in. So it's, it's an, I don't know, it's just kind of a clever little... Plus, she's using a Walkman, which is also funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I really enjoyed that part, you know, being one of my favorite bands growing up. Was, I wasn't sure what, what the Boom Chicka Boom Chicka was from. I think it's just trying... I think she's trying to do, like, the drums. Okay, just the dr- generic drums of these... Uh, yeah. tracks okay yeah um it i looked them up because i reckon i've never been a big music person i don't even know why but i recognize some of the lyrics i was like i know what this is what is this and so i was able to find out oh this is that yeah it was pretty fun um 
I like how Logan thinks that his brain is straightened out in this story. <laughs> yeah, if only he knew. If only he knew. <laughs> I don't even know what all is done with his brain later on. I just know that by 2006, they're still talking about Logan's brain not being right. straightened out because right. <laughs> then it finally, finally, quote, gets straightened out again. And yeah. I think it's still all jumbled up. I don't even know. Yeah, and it got kind of re-jumbled in Dawn of X days. Okay. Um, hey, do you know what the, the initials on the suitcases are for? Uh, I'm going back to the suitcases. On the, on the title page. Because I feel like PD is probably Peter and Peter David. But I don't know what huh. F, FW or SE or... I don't. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. All right. Maybe they're just acknowledgments to friends of Dwayne Turner. Possibly. Yeah. Very possible. Um, let's see. You remember how these mutate guys got their start, right? Did you read those early X Men issues? I have. Um, I don't remember. Did Magneto specifically evolve all of them, or did he just take them to like the next level? I don't. That's what I cannot remember. I think he found savages in the Savage Land and decided to make some mutants of right. his own. So, yeah, he made all these guys. So they're not really mutants. That's why they're called mutates in the story. Right. But, yeah, I've always thought it was weird that Magneto's like, oh, this brotherhood's not working out. I've tried it twice now. <laughs> I know what I'll do. Because a stranger has not captured me this week. I want to go to the Savage Land. <laughs> right. Make some mutants of my own. Charles, what? don't follow me. <laughs> oh, wait, you're pretending to be dead. Never mind. Yeah, I like the frog guy. He I do like the frog guy. He's fun. I mean, they're, they're, they're fun characters. Brainchild's life. Is Forearm called Forearm or is this? No, Barbar- Barbarous. Bar- Barbarous, yeah. Yeah. I do get the frog guy does make me confuse these guys sometimes with the furries from the Daredevil comics. The... Um, the guys that Count Nefaria gets, the people who wear oh, the animal costumes. Yes. Uh-huh. The sometimes I get man. Yeah. Sometimes I get these guys and those guys confused in my brain, which I shouldn't, but you know, they both have a frog yeah. guy, so they do both have a frog guy. He has more cybernetic stuff, but yeah. Um, Rogue has a line. Um, I'm trying to find it in my digital collection, which I'm reading this from the digital version of the uh, Epic collection, which uh, I'm just gonna I like to I like to proselytize. I'm just gonna put the word out there. Epic collections are a really great format that Marvel's been doing for the last few years, where they have like a year and a half of a single comics run all in one book, and it just it's it's a really great way to just internalize a chunk of a character. Um, but I can't find the line that I was going to make fun of. Something about swinging a cat. Swinging. Oh. Um... It's one of those. It was one of those southern lines. That I didn't know if it was really southern, or just <laughs> comic writer southern. Well, it just made um, it, it made me think of her line in the cartoon about a long-tailed cat in a room full of walking, uh, rocking, rocking chairs. chairs. Right. Right. Isn't that, so isn't that actually a cannonball line in the comic? Yes, Cannonball says in the comic, and yeah. I literally have never heard another person say that anywhere in my entire <laughs> life, except in one place in a random professional development thing I was doing as a teacher like two years ago. Somebody said it, and I'm like, what did you just say? Only Rogue says that. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> yeah, 
That's funny. But oh, rude enough to swing a cat in here is what she says oh, there. Yep. And I was like, so if she's swinging cats, maybe the saying should be nervous as a long-tailed cat, a room full of rogue. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you don't want to be rogue's cat. <laughs> maybe you don't. Oh, maybe that's what we've all learned here is that <laughs> she has too many rocking chairs. Too many cats have, have well, suffered in her. Right. And if she likes to swing the cats, you always have to wonder if the rocking chairs are on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I am. Get you cats. My government teacher in high school told a story about swinging cats at the side of a bar. And it was a terrible, horrible story. But I can just, wow. I can picture him as, you know, telling the story as an old man about when he was a kid. And he, like, does the motion of grabbing the cat and, like, doing the. He's like, <laughs> it's oh, like, no, it's not. Doppler it. effect meows. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so this is kind of a thin story, but it's really fun to read. I love Jubilee being on her own. In a, I know, really like Jubilee in this one. Yeah, it's it's a crazy environment for her. She would much rather be in an urban environment, right? Right. Malls, kids, places where she could just kind of. And she's too. Instead, she's stuck in the Savage Land, trying to survive while the Dino Riders. Are coming after her, and <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's not it's not super thick, but it's really fun, and the art's really good. I really like uh, Turner's Wolverine. Mm-hmm. I do too. He has a nice, you know, I don't know how much it gets brought up, but he does have a nice handle on the short, stocky Wolverine. Yes, without yep. making him look out of proportion. Yep. And I really like he he makes Wolverine yell a lot, and it looks good. <laughs> he has a good. In fact, I think on all three of these covers, he's yelling. <laughs> His face is kind of a box with an opening in the front. Right. <laughs> and that opening is raw. Raw. Yeah. The only time his mouth is closed is when he's smoking a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Good stuff. All right. Well, when you want to grade sixty nine. Um, you can save them if you want. Mine yeah, are different, I, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Go I think I'm gonna grade five. the whole. Well, the the third chapter for me takes a little bit of a dip down, but I think I'm gonna yeah. go grade, the, grade the whole chapter, grade the whole story. Okay, cool. So we'll save yours. I'm gonna give sixty nine five out of six claws. I've had a lot of fun with it. Okay, good, good. All right, so on to number seventy. Seventy. The, the cover has Wolverine and Sauron um, just in a little bit of a lover's quarrel. You know, they're kind of fighting. <laughs> Wolverine has his claws out, pretending to use them because we know that he rarely actually uses them on people. Right. <laughs> and Sauron, um, I don't know. He, he, he doesn't look like he's about to do anything except, like, just scream a lot. So... Right. But they're fighting, and it's a good image, and there's lots of fire behind them because they're in the Savage Land volcano. It's a fun cover without being too amazing. Yeah, I like it. Um, we continue to have, this one's called Tooth and Nail, as in they're fighting Tooth and Nail, because Sauron has beak and Wolverine has claw. Larry ah, Hama's on our script, ah. Dwayne Turner is penciler, Richard Bennett is inking now with Pat Brousseau continuing to letter, Steve Bucciolato on the colors, Bob Harris editing, and Tom DeFalco chiefing. 
Um, so this issue has basically three separate plot threads for our three heroes, and they don't intersect until they're just about to at the end. So I'm going to describe them separately. I think it'll be clear okay. that way. So first, Wolverine is fighting Sauron in a giant cavern. Um, at one point, the floor falls away. Like when you're on that ride and you're like inside the cylinder and it's swirling around <laughs> and around, you're pressing against the walls and then the floor falls out and centrifugal force has you there. Yeah. Only less fun because now Sauron can like fly underneath Wolverine because he's on this bridge and uh, he can fly it swoop over, under, and sideways on a magic Wolverine kill fest. Um, but Logan just won't stay down. He keeps on taking hits. He keeps on getting back up. So Sauron, at the end of the story, summons the dinosaurs. Um, and you get this long Final Fantasy VII summoning sequence. Anyways, <laughs> Jubilee, uh, like I said, she's been captured by the Dino Riders. Um, I was going to sing the theme song, but I looked it up because I couldn't exactly remember, only to find there's not really a Dino Riders theme song. Oh, It's just okay. like... Music with a visual sequence at the end is like Dido Riders. So <laughs> as she's trying to escape, she falls on the back of a pteranodon. So she's flying through the air, scared out of her wits, being chased by other Savage Land tribesmen on pteranodons. And they basically dogfight only with pteranodogs. Um, and Jubilee manages to knock her attacker off his mount. Uh, quickly realizing that by knocking him off of his mount, she just killed this guy. She. Uh, I was like, I don't know what am I going to do? And without meaning to, she unwittingly sends her pteranodon down through the air to scoop this guy up. And since she has managed to form a mind connection with a pteranodon, she is welcomed into the Dino Riders. And they go off to have an initiation party. It's really unfortunate that that guy's arms got ripped out of his sockets. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least his neck didn't go snap like a certain That's right. person. <laughs> Uh, thirdly, Rogue is being held by Brainchild, one of the Savage Dragon mutates. Um, Brainchild blasts her with a genetic regression beam, but a random lizard just crawls across her chest at the very exact moment <laughs> and takes the blast very conveniently. It regresses to a dinosaur, which means it gets big, and so the size of the dinosaur crushes the thing Rogue's on and helps her escape. She knocks out the dino because it's a big, scary dinosaur. And no longer friendly. And she goes off and catches Brainchild. Now she interrogates him. There's been a lot of teasing about whom Brainchild is so dang scared of. Brainchild mentions that she is not the first upstart to ruin his day. So she's like, tell me who it is. But we cut away before we hear. So we rejoin uh, Rogue. She is set out to tell Wolverine what she has learned and she comes across the squad of dinosaurs who happen to be on their way to Sauron's summons. So I expect the next issue she's going to run into some Wolverine through all of this. Yep. Um, you know, I've been reading... Have you ever read any 2000 AD? Mm, no, not really. I think I read, I've read, like... Selections of it in a couple of anthologies, and that's about it. So it's the British comic that's famous for being Judge right. Dredd. Judge so. Dredd, yeah. But like a lot of well uh, done British comics, it's an anthology book, so there's lots of other stories that have like four or eight page strips every week. And one of those is Flesh, and I love Flesh. Flesh is set in the time of dinosaurs, uh, and all of these like Wrangler types from the future where food is so scarce. But they have time travel, 
So they send these people back to wrangle dinosaurs and catch them and kill them and put them through the butcher process to send their flesh back to the future to be eaten by the masses. So humanity is actually driving dinosaurs extinct in the past. Um, But it's fun because it's like it's it's adventure. It's basically all the stuff that makes Jurassic Park fun to watch the uh, people running from dinosaurs and dinosaurs eating people um, Uh (laughs) like every week. So this kind of reminded me of that just with all the dinosaurs. But anyone out there, if you ever get a chance to read Flesh from 2000 AD, I recommend it. Um, I don't know why I randomly thought of this. Just, you know, dinosaurs. (laughs) Dinosaurs. That's right. They're continuing to dance around Magneto in this, just not as blatantly. The first issue is very much, it's Magneto. Just not going to say it. Not gonna, right. Mag- Magne- oh, not not going to say it. This one's not quite as blatant, but it's still there. Yeah. If you say his name three times, it comes and tears away Wolverine's adamantium. So <laughs> you got to be careful. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought the art was really good. I had fun, but not quite as much fun as the first one. But it was still pretty fun. Yeah, the first one sets up the story, so it has more, like, stuff to care about. And this right. is, like, pushing things forward a little bit, but it's all—it's a lot more action than story in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they continue to shift the dynamics in that direction in the third part. Right. Uh, is, is Jubilee accidentally telepathic with dinosaurs? You know, I don't know, because I don't think that ever gets brought up again. <laughs> but she seems, I don't know if they're just trying to say, like, she has enough willpower that, like, her compassion and personality and willpower just kind of overrode the primitive brain of the pterodon, or, or if they're actually trying to say she has some kind of, like, mental acuity. I don't, I don't know, because I don't think, I don't think it's ever played out in any way that, that means anything but yeah I mean it's definitely interesting it definitely gives her something to do in the story um, you know it implies that that's how all the Dino writers in this control their amounts is through some yes right like a mental link or somehow mm-hmm. um, it's not just how to train your dragon it's actually um, you know like, like you almost you drive it <laughs> right right um, which is an interesting idea, um, but I don't know. I don't know. It seems I, – I think I'd prefer it to be like a horse and they have like reins and stuff, which I'm pretty sure in the earliest art, didn't they have like almost horse-like reins and saddles when they rode the pterodons like back in the – I think so. In the, in the 60s and then even when John Byrne did stuff, I, I'm pretty sure they did. But I could be wrong. Maybe bareback uh, dinosaur riding is cooler. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's definitely more badass, right? So Sauron totally slashes open Wolverine's back. And, you know, they're they're fighting. And there's a page where Rogue is still chained up and gets zapped. And there's a dinosaur. And then there's a scene where Wolverine is jumping towards Sauron. And I happen to notice it because in this scene you see him jumping toward. And you can see the hair on his back and the refs, rips from his shirt. Uh-huh. But then at the bottom, we get a from-the-back shot of Wolverine, oh, and everything's fine. And the fine. shirt's fine. Well, I guess his, his clothes have healing factor, too. Oh, that's going to be so con- <laughs> convenient. <laughs> and it looks like it's fine for the rest of the issue, so I guess he just forgot. And what's funny is this is 1993, where 
super ripped up uniforms are all the rage. So you would have figured they would have kept that nice and shredded throughout the whole story. But mm-hmm. getting continually more shredded as the story went on. Right, right. Where eventually his gloves like are missing fingers and I mean that's that's the MO of the day. But I Turner, just I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was gonna say Turner does a more almost a more classical art in this which, by the way, if you never read his Luke Cage stuff, um, it's pretty good as well. Okay. Because it's concurrent to this. So I forgot that Sauron wears a crown in this. Instead of having horns? <laughs> or, or horns. Maybe. But that's his picture in the previous cover. Yes. And I did not realize that. Oh, I, thought, I didn't I realize until the end of the issue. But yes. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I guess we should have gone back to that. No, it's okay. Um, I just never put the two together. Yeah. What did you think about the very convenient lizard? I mean, you know what's missing from this? Being a Larry Hama camic? Uh, gosh, my pronunciation's in the wrong place. Um, being a Larry Hama comic, is he doesn't describe what species of lizard it is. Right. <laughs> I love him to death, but he sometimes tends to show how smart he is. Um, and there's there's not really any of that in this comic. <laughs> um, I would so, imagine that in most cases, a lizard crawling across your chest while you're chained down is a less desirable situation to be in. But here yeah. it works out. Yeah, right? It's from terrified to grateful, all, and, then, and then to dinosaur punching, all in like three panels. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, once she's free, she gets out of business. She's ready. Yeah. She right. wastes no time. I will say I like the giant lizard because it doesn't look, it doesn't just look like a dinosaur. It looks like a lizard monster, which is right. you know kind of fun, a little bit different. Like it regressed. The idea is to regress the evolution, which, um, yeah. So at least it's not like that one Star Trek The Next Generation episode where some of them regress to spiders and some of them regress to mermaids. and yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's a fun little issue. Like I said, it's it pushes the story forward, but in a much more action way and less story driven. I guess they're still expounding the plot with Rogue, and um, Jubilee is just doing her thing. Yep. While Wolverine has a fun punch fest. <laughs> pretty much, and the page where he gets tr- uh, is trapped under the rocks is a pretty nice sequence, art wise. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, other than that, I don't really know if I have much else to say. My notes are pretty minimal on this issue. Now, mine are even more minimal on the next one. So um, okay. <laughs> we end with sticks and stones may not break his bones, but teeth and fangs can gnaw them. Like, Sauron, oh, wow. did, did, you, did you work on that for a while? Or yeah, he's, he's been workshopping that um, right. on his open mic nights. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, uh, before we move on, I did get 74 out of six claws. I didn't, not quite as high as 69. Mm-hmm. And then we'll move to 71, the Savage Finale. Uh, let's see if there's anything different. Um, oh, yeah, we have an army of inkers. We have Bennett, Barta, and Rubenstein. Uh, Brousseau still does the letters, and then everyone else is the same. Um, on the cover, we have Wolverine jumping and yelling again, and Sauron still on, or Sauron still on the cover, but now he's attacking Rogue into the volcano. I like the cover; it's definitely a little rougher. Mm-hmm. Like the inks are a lot sketchier on this one. Sketchier and heavier. Yeah, yeah, weird uh, combo. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I like the idea that going on here. Um, I kind of wish that Wolverine and Rogue were reversed. That Sauron okay. and Wolverine were tussling and Rogue was coming in to rescue. I think that's more in line with the story, if I remember right. But Yeah. But it's a Wolverine comic, so Wolverine's got to be the awesome on the cover. Yeah, well, he's right with his logo, so he's got to get on that action. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all about the branding. <laughs> right. All right, so in this one, Rogue follows a stampede of dinos to Sauron's temple, where she meets up with Wolverine. Uh, she fights Sauron in the air, while Wolverine literally gets chopped on by dinosaurs on the ground. He does get free, though, and helps uh, KO Sauron. They take him to the gen- genetic machine to cure him, but he talks them out of it in kind of a weird bit of dialogue. Uh, Storm and Bishop come and pick everybody up in the Blackbird. Oh, and by the way, they found Jubilee and rescued her from a misunderstood marriage um, where she was going <laughs> to marry a girl because I... <laughs> Speaking of things that don't always didn't, didn't age very well. So the idea is that this, in the Savage Land, which... You know, I guess understandably, I guess we're genetically misogynistic because uh, <laughs> they hadn't advanced yet. We're like, oh, short hair, not a, not big boobs. Must be a boy. Let's get her a wife. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. And then, oh, by the way, also at the end of this, the mission is inconclusive. <laughs> so the they don't really is- find out if, if the person that they're looking for, <clears throat> Magneto, is actually alive or not. Right, because they we we're not ready for fatal attractions yet. We're still right. using that. Although I think if this is seventy one and seventy five is only four months away, um, I think that fatal attractions has already started in some of the in other books. Some of the titles, I believe it has. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The thing with Jubilee reminds me. Okay, so my daughter, um, my daughter is gay, but she's also very feminine, and so. At one point in her early to mid-teens, she got a a very short haircut. And it was super cute, and she loved it. But she was getting called boyish at school, and she hated that. So she vowed to never get her haircut that short again because she hated being misgendered, especially with, you know, her uh, uh, very advocate stance on identify people as the gender that they want to be identified by. Right. Uh, so she just um, did not have a good time with that. And this kind of reminds me of that sort of idea that she's not conforming to your gender expectations, so you're going to treat her as something else. It, it does fall a little bit weird, but it's also still kind of a thing that's still being dealt with today sure. in different ways. Sure. So, yeah. It, you know, and it kind of it goes to Jubilee... Um, you know, there's things to appreciate about it, right? Because they're not drawing her at this point, like your typical buxom 90s heroine. Because mm-hmm. uh, even, we kind of didn't really talk about it, but in the 70s, there's even a line where she's, they knock her over, and she's like, oh, sure, knock me down where I'm not padded. Like, you know, I don't have the big 90s boobs to land on. Um, and so you appreciate that aspect of it because you're glad she's just drawn like a normal teenage girl <laughs> not, also falling on boobs is not comfortable Why would i would that be assume a thing? not <laughs> I mean, i've never i'm not speaking from experience but like right every indication i've ever received from any woman <laughs> is that that would that's not padding <laughs> right right yeah. 
<laughs> it doesn't make you swim better. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Weird. Um, yeah. Not a whole lot going on in this except for fighting. And like you said, Jubilee's not even really in it till the end. But Rogue's there. Sauron's there. I did like how they bring out Sauron brings out the fact that he is not Carl like us. It's not that he's Carl like us trapped in another body. Sauron is a distinct other personality, and he does not want to be Carl like us. And so, why would you make me go? I mean, it, if you're trying to civilize the Savage Land, you're fighting a losing battle because what are these people going to do? They're going to stop killing and they're going to become lawyers or businessmen or accountants. <laughs> Is that really where you're going for, for the Savage Land? So just stop. And the Wolverine walks away from it at that point because it's like, you're right. There's only so far we can go with this. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. It's, I don't know if I remembered that about Saron. So it was, it was interesting to me. Um, played differently by different writers, but I liked this here. Yeah. And then there's a part, where is it? Um, I love the page, though, where we get this, this the, the classic snicked fake out, where, so right after that speech you just talked about, Wolverine looks, stares at Sarah and says, mm, and he's smoking a cigar. And the next two panels, we get a snicked with a close-up on the claws, and then a close-up of Saron's eyes, and it's awesome. And then you get Wolverine cocking his arm back like he's going to kill Saron, but instead, you know, he, he cuts the restraints and um, and says, get your act in the wind, bub, before I change my mind. Um, you know, some Wolverine's uh, Hammond-isms, he sometimes says some weird stuff like the muck and muck and the Bollywood, which does not sound like something tough guy Wolverine would say. <laughs> but, well, you um, know. But yeah. Um, and I don't think I realized in the previous issues that that machine was a giant fist. I went and looked back, and you can see it, but it's much more obvious here. And it's it's fashioned metal, which is why he's like, this is rock solid evidence, proof of the existence of, and then, of course, Brainchild's like, no, don't say his name. Which right. was happening. The reason they never say Magneto in this story is because Brainchild is, like, allergic to the name. He's right. like, no, 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 don't say it every time they want to say it. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, they're in that old God's stronghold in this, aren't they? That huge dome I, thing? I think so. It's maybe a hair smaller than it was when John Byrne drew it. Because <laughs> John Byrne is like, this is a continent. <laughs> right. Continent-sized <laughs> fortress. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a nice little wrap-up. Yeah. Not too bad. Um, I felt like the art was a little more rushed in places, so I didn't enjoy it quite as much. But there are some mm. definitely some standouts, like the the page I mentioned with the close up on the eye and stuff. But um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I gave it three out of six claws, so I, I kind of went down just a hair every issue. Right, and it's probably worthwhile. I give the overall story four out of six. I nice. figure as okay. a trio. It's perfectly serviceable. It's fine. It has a strong start and a bit of a, you know, 
less story, more action ending, but it's only three issues. So right. you're ready for more at the end and it moves on to give you more at the end. It doesn't dwell on this for too long, right. um, but it's a fun story and it teases Magneto and there's some neat character moments. It's just nothing that's super exciting. So far. fair enough, but, um, but yeah, yeah. All right. I'm looking well, at Sentinel on the cover of 72. Yeah, I think we can get a, a three-part Sentinel story and then then Fatal Attractions. So. All right. And then I'll be in a new Wolverine territory. I might not be able to be on as much because I haven't read the book. <laughs> well, you'll just have to read it at the I'll, time. I'll just have to keep on going forward. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be my motivation. There you go. You're, you're a Wolverine drill sergeant. Right, right. <laughs> now drop and give me three issues. <laughs> Every time I push up, someone turns the page for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I I can maybe do a push-up. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, John, man, thank you so much for coming back on. And looking at the reading list, I think the the Sentinel arc will be a lot closer. Um, The reading order uh, sticks with Wolverine a little bit more going forward so okay uh, hopefully it won't be quite as big of a gap before we have you on again um well gosh what do you i know you kind of have a lot of stuff on pause and doing some reading projects what would you like to to plug or talk about well um michael kaiser and i over at make ours marvel every week going through early marvel comics and we're in a pretty exciting time we have um wrapped 1967 and we're getting into 1968 and if you don't know your marvel history this is when marvel finally gets a hold of their publishing again and are able to start expanding their title list yes so all all of the anthology books split up into whole titles where captain america gets the series iron man hulk they all start around this time with their own full books after being half books for years uh silver surfer is about to start so uh, we're also just nearing the end of the 60s, which I'm sure when you were doing your Marvel reading is just kind of a, that's an emotion. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> um, we we do a lot of specials. We do uh, a monthly special where we talk about other stuff that's going on besides comics, mostly movies and TV shows, usually Marvel, but not always. Um, and Mike and I are about to put out a special on The Prisoner because we've been watching through that. And we're oh, thinking nice. about doing up another series of nerd out specials where we just talk about stuff we've been geeking out about lately. Awesome. And I, are, y'all, and I, are y'all gonna still do some specials from time to time? Yeah. After, yeah, after so the, the specials are the wrap up. Specials are still uh going with what do you mean by wrap up? The well, end maybe, of the sixties? Maybe I did I completely misunderstand. I thought y'all were like wrapping up the show. Oh, we did not wrap up. We fake out a wrap up every now and then. <laughs> Okay. I think we've done two fake outs. <laughs> I really thought. <laughs> okay, well, I'm very happy to know that. <laughs> no, I, go ca- I, I really thought you all were like, you know, we 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 recorded so far in advance. We're going to get to the end of the '60s, and then, you know, um, no, we so when we when we got to Amazing Spider-Man 50, which is Spider-Man No More, uh-huh. we did a, we did a Make Ours Marvel No More episode. Oh, okay. And at the beginning of the episode, okay. we announced that we're quitting, and at the end of the episode, we unquit. That's fine. Um, no, the end of the 60s is a current goal. 
we may finish up and stop doing it then. We're definitely going to have a conversation about it then. Yeah. But honestly, the closer I get, the more excited I get for more. So I, I don't know. It all depends on awesome. where that's, we're no, really That's really time. great. I'm I'm way behind on the show, but I love the show a lot. It's one of my favorites. So. Yeah, my podcast rotation is so huge that it's, every it's, show is what's the women. Yeah, it's just it's so hard because especially like the longer I do this, the more people I you know make friends with, and I want to listen to all the people I'm making friends with, but it's almost like too much <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at times. But yeah. Yeah, so awesome. Well, I, so that, I'm I'm glad, and I I will go back and listen to the rest of that episode. I think I was kind of like bummed as I kind of hit pause on it, and yeah. no plan to end in sight. <laughs> and we're just starting '68, so minimum nice. we've got two, two more years of comics. Awesome, habits. very got, good. Minimum. Very good. Very glad to hear that. But yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics, and there I'm talking about mostly about comics, sometimes about other stuff, but um, I like to post covers of what I'm reading as I work through every Superman comic from the beginning. I'm almost to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, I've been reading through, of course, my Marvel stuff and other random read-through projects that I pick up, but but yeah, uh, go follow me on Twitter. Yes, definitely. Lots of fun stuff on there. Awesome. Well, um, for the podcast, I guess, Nick, of course, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is that Snickcast. And um, just again, John, thanks for coming on. Uh, listeners out there, please continue to stay well and stay safe. Um, you know, get the vaccine if you're able. And, you know, just continue to be kind to those around you. But uh, as far as what's next, I don't actually know where I'm going to slate. This should be... Probably in between um, a couple of modern episodes, and then um, but the next flashback will be uh, a very nice surprise for you, longtime listeners. Um, and then you know, like I said, we'll be back to the the Wolverine series pretty relatively quickly, uh, at least as far as the podcast goes. And nothing really happens too fast on this show, but <laughs> uh, re- relatively quickly, and so that'll be a lot of fun. Very good. Well, any closing thoughts, Mr. Wilson? Um, just, you know, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. All right. Sounds good. Well, until next time, everyone, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Snicked. <laughs> and snacked. Aw, snicked and snacked right together. <laughs> Yay. <laughs>